Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount+. A big thank you goes out to Justin Higgins, who upped their pledge this week at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Other podcasts and websites have corporate sponsorship and big advertisers backing everything that they do. But at Major Spoilers, we rely on you, our dear, 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 dear listeners, to keep us going week after week and month after month. For a mere $5 a month, you can radically impact the work that we do at Major Spoilers. Radically. You can tell I was a kid of the uh, of the 80s and 90s. Radically, dude. You can radically impact the work we do at Major Spoilers. So be just like Justin and become a patron today at patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Tubular. I'm <laughs> Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and radical fans just like you. I was going to do it, and he's... Uh, in this issue, we check out the fate of young Mikey as he seeks his birthright. Ooh, title drop. Wonder where the Transformers go now. See if Peter Parker is up to his old job and venture into the Morphin Grid. We're ready to believe you, even if you're a Class 5 roaming vapor. So cross the streams. Tell us about the Twinkie and see the major spoilers podcast. It's here, Rodrigo. It's looking at me. And it's on the air. It's radical, dude. <laughs> totally. Bossa Nova. Hey, thank you to all of our uh, patrons. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. We, pre- we spent the pre-show talking about genres that I like and went through a bunch of books in the urban fantasy, uh, sci-fi, mystery area, as well as talking about uh, Euphoria on HBO. And what was the what's the name of that movie, Rodrigo? I forgot it off the top of my head already. It's, it's already Alita slipped my mind. Battle Alita. 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 I keep mm-hmm. wanting to say Lolita, but that's a totally different movie. Uh, but, you know, considering we were also talking about Euphoria, there you go. Let's get hey. to some news. <laughs> IDW Publishing announced last week that its G.I. Joe and Transformers licenses with Hasbro are ending at the end of 2022. In an annual report this week, the publisher announced that those two properties will impact sales by about $1.2 million. In a statement, the company said, quote, we're exceedingly proud of our stewardship of these titles, 17 years with the robots in disguise, 14 years with a real American hero, and thank the Legion of fans for their unwavering support month in and month out. We're also eternally grateful to everyone on the talented creators uh, who upbring these characters to four color life through our comics, unquote. Uh, before 2023, IDW Publishing will have, uh, before that contract's end, uh, in 2023, IDW Publishing will have two more miniseries events for the Transformers and will wrap up G.I. Joe with issue 300. For now, IDW Publishing will still have licenses to My Little Pony and Dungeons and Dragons. What do you think of that, Matthew? My prediction is by October of 2022, it will be announced that G.I. Joe is going to Marvel and maybe Transformers too. I would not be surprised, mm-hmm. honestly. And it kind of makes me sad uh, in a Why way. Why is that? Well, part of the thing that I've really enjoyed about IDW is that they have 
not been afraid to do multiple takes. Um, they've been doing the GI Joe, um, series. Basically they picked up the GI Joe series that I think another company had started and continued the original series, whoever. a real, yeah, a real American hero. So a real American hero is pushing issue 300. It continues the continuity, the Larry Hama continuity from Marvel, mm-hmm. but yep. they also did that, that weird kind of, uh, I hate to say post Trumpian society reboot where Cobra took over the world. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Everything yeah, was, was bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, they, they have done a lot of different things. And of course, they, they were the ones who were doing that Transformers series that was so fascinating. They did, uh, more than meets the eye on one side. And then they had the other Transformers book where, uh, Rodimus Prime and Megatron were co captains of a spaceship with a random group of uh, Decepticons, former Decepticons and former Autobots traveling through space and time where, you know, we discovered all these weird things and they had literally side plots and Ratchet fell in love and another robot was hanging around and they had all of these deep cut things that were wonderful. And then the book ended and you're like, okay, we're going to do something else. And they just revamped it and they started from day one again. And I'm like, that's got to take some cojones to do something that's really, really well received and then go, okay, this is done. And now we're going to do something completely different. Yeah. So I feel like IDW has been really bold with their GI Joe and transformers licenses. And I'm hoping that that's not why they aren't going to have them anymore. No. So my guess is there's someone else either willing to pay more for the license, AKA Marvel, Uh, Mm -hmm. because Larry Hama is doing a lot of stuff with Marvel right now. So I have a feeling that that might be part of the draw. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, your license ends and Hasbro just decided to not renew with IDW Publishing. It's not like IDW can't afford it. Uh, At least, you know, uh, they did lose some money in this last quarter, but not that much money in the last quarter compared to previous years. So they're doing okay financially uh, that they could keep this going. I mean, this is $1.2 million that they were making each year from G.I. Joe and Transformers. So my feeling is that Marvel is the one that's going to pick up G.I. Joe and they're the ones that advocated for it, just like G.I. Joe literally, I mean, not G.I. Joe, Marvel literally swiped uh, Star Wars, Star Wars uh, High Republic from IDW just a couple of, of months ago. So it will not surprise me when when G.I. Joe shows up at, at Marvel. Now, is that a for sure? No. Um, the other thing that, the other thing that I've mentioned uh, multiple times over over the last year is I've, I feel very concerned about ITW Publishing because they have had to they've lost properties. They've cut their their publishing and release schedule by a lot. I mean, if they have five books a week, that's a lot for them. Uh, so they don't have a lot of original stuff and losing all their G.I. Joe and Transformers stuff is another big slash. Now, in their quarterly report that they had this week or last week, actually. Um, they did say that their plan over the next couple of years is to introduce um, original properties, original comic book properties, kind of like with the upcoming Rocketeer, although that's not technically their own property. Um, but they're planning on introducing, and I think it's over the next three-year plan, to have 40 original titles from IDW Publishing. Wow. So that's a, that's a you know, they're not just sitting there admitting defeat, oh, we lost these licensed properties. Right. They're just like, hey, look, we'll just pivot and go do our own stuff. We don't have to license stuff. Although I do think that in hindsight, IDW Publishing has told the best Star Wars stories and they've told the best 
uh, kid-friendly Marvel stories out there. And so, you know, big hats off to to IDW for everything that they've done with with G.I. Joe and Transformers. And, you know, they still get to keep Dungeons and Dragons and My Little Pony for now. And Jim Zub is nailing it with Dungeons and Dragons. So as long as Hasbro subsidiary Wizards of the Coast uh, is happy with everything, <laughs> I don't see Dungeons and Dragons disappearing yet. So there you go. <laughs> Rodrigo, what, what do you got in the news? So, uh, in other Hasbro-related news, Wizards of the Coast has announced that it will push the release of Unfinity to the second half of 2022 due to uh, the the current uh, supervillain supply chain issues. Mm. Uh, the latest unset was set to arrive on April 1st, 2022, appropriately. Uh, according to ICV2, Unfinity promos will no longer ship with Kamigawa Neon Dynasty marketing kits. Instead, they will be pushed until closer to release date. This time, Wizards of the Coast has not announced an exact date for the Infinity release. What, what is right. Infinity, and how does it relate to Magic? Fill me in. Okay, What's so, going on? So, is it related to Unglued? Because yeah, I love Unglued. Yeah. So follow me on this one. Um, a long time ago, uh, Magic decided to have a product that was a joke product, but that you could still play as uh, as a Magic the Gathering expansion, right? Um, that was, I think the first one was unglued. Um, Mm. and then since then they have had more, like a handful more come out every once in a while. Um, the thing about the unsets and they're called that because, uh, they're named unglued, unhinged, un whatever, uh, like this one, uh, unfinity, um, the the thing about those sets, uh, if you hear it from uh, the people working at Wizards of the Coast, is that they're cool, and the people that like them really like them, and the people that enjoy them really enjoy them, but they don't sell that well. Uh, um, okay. Because people see them, tend to see them as um, optional, right? You don't have to get, you don't have to buy into an unset um, to, to continue playing the the standard format of magic right uh where things like rotate in and out but this is changing with uh with infinity infinity is going to have tournament legal cards in it um and Ooh. there's people on on both sides of the issue that are either happy about it some people are very not happy about it um i think that uh personally I play very kitchen tabley magic, so if somebody, I, I feel that even if somebody introduced a um, an uncard into that sort of environment, we'd probably be okay with it anyway, even if it wasn't tournament legal. Um, but I think that this, uh, you know, obviously the the supply chain issues are. A problem and it's delaying everything but um yeah we'll see how this set is received because more and more wizards of the coast is pushing people towards um sort of a more uh what do i want to say like a like a more intense buying schedule um sets are coming out more frequently now um cards that come out in supplemental sets are legal in vintage uh, there are several um, 
there are several expansions that are specifically legal in even though they're new they're legal in certain formats that don't usually take new cards or where you know new cards usually don't make that that big of a splash so it, you know it, it's all kind of part of this uh ramping up that that wizard seems to be doing and you know some people are into it some people are not into it all right mm-hmm. so i shouldn't freak out when i open up my magic the gathering app and they're trying to push uh, Infinity on me because they probably won't. I mean, they. I don't know if they. I don't know if Infinity is even coming to Arena. Good. So if you're if you're playing Arena, um, they'll probably push some Arena specific stuff on you, like Alchemy, um, which is which is interesting because now Wizards is making Arena only cards. Oh, really? Um. Yep. So uh, all of the uh, Paper Magic Fatalists. Uh, which was also the name of my band in college. <laughs> um, all, um, all of those guys are like, see, we told you, like, next step is just, you know, them learn. just scrapping the paper side of magic, but I don't think that's going to happen soon. Yeah, because little do they know, I have a thing called screen capture and a color printer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Matthew, wrap up our news segment for us, will you? Well, speaking of Hasbro, I'm not. Titan Comics, however, has a new series of Doctor Who one-shots coming our way this year, and you guys will never guess who's bringing it to life. Come on. I, I bet I know. Come on. You know. Well, of course, you know. You, you work at Major Spoilers. Anybody who goes to Major Spoilers knows, because we always have this stuff. But who's the biggest Doctor Who dork out there who is not named me? man named Dan Slott, who will be oh. taking up the writing duties of uh, 10th Doctor and Martha, a story that sees Martha Jones captured by the insatiable Pyromeths, which I think is my band, now that you mention it, and her only hope of survival is to keep them distracted with untold tales of the 10th Doctor facing off against his greatest foes, both classic and new. Uh, it's going to be three annual one-shots of Doctor Who, the first one arriving in April of 2022 i'm pretty psyched um I, I think dan slot has gone on a twitter and has just talked you know at length about how excited he is doing this and oh yeah. you know if, if you don't know i'm a big doctor who nerd, nerd uh now I'm, I'm gonna prove it to you in the pages of these annuals and well, uh, uh, titan comics also announced today that adam hughes is going to be doing a variant cover for this yeah. uh this one shot it looks really good as somebody who knows Vizlord turlow's relationship to the tractators and can actually tell you why there was a yeti in the subway in 1963 dan slot knows his stuff so i fully expect for these books to be uh you know exciting for me my main question is going to be if you're a casual fan or if you're only a fan of you know the new era from 2005 on but you know I, I enjoyed his run on Fantastic Four. I enjoyed his run on Iron Man. So I feel like Dan's got the chops and the knowledge to make this work. Dear listeners, you can join in the conversation about these stories and more over on our Discord. We even got a, a reading Discord if you're into the prose books. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. A link's in the show note. Click on that. It'll open up your Discord server. Join Join the almost 500 people. I think it's 500. Maybe it's a little bit more. Oh, no. I think it's way more than 500. I think I showed somebody uh, show up the other day uh, that showed them as our 700th uh, <gasps> person on the Discord. So come and join all of those cool people. 
and uh, come hang out. It's a really great community. Uh, Discord. It's the Major Spoilers Discord. Channels for anything and everything under the sun. All right. Let us get to some reviews. We're going to go in publisher order this week because everybody is reviewing a book that is out this week. So we're going to start with Boom Studios, Matthew, and the Power Rangers Universe number two. Boom Studios can't stop with the Power Rangers. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, Power Rangers well, they Universe might is... when their license uh, comes up. <laughs> oh, quiet. Uh, Power Rangers Universe is a six-issue limited series, and uh, the selling point for me, Matthew, big-time nerd, is that it's finally giving backstory to a 27-year-old character called the Phantom Ranger, but it's also explaining the origins of some of the things that we take for granted in Power Rangers fandom, like the Morphing Grid or the existence of creatures called the Morphin Masters. Uh, this story takes place 10,000 scramptillion years. I don't know when it takes place. It takes place in the past on a planet in the A47 galaxy. Last issue, we I was waiting for you guys to say on Critical Hit. Um, we that's saw, not how it goes, and that's not that show. I understand that. That's <laughs> why I feel, I feel like it was a mistake for me to, you know, anyway. Um, okay, so last time, this comic book fired a scientist into the morphing grid where he disappeared for over a hundred years and came back out as the morphinaut. Now, if you know what the Phantom Ranger looks like, you know, he's the morphinaut. Also, we were introduced to a group of kids. There were six of them. One had blue hair. One had green hair. One had red hair. One had yellow hair. One had pink hair. So what do you think is going to happen to them? This issue. One of them is going to get white hair. Probably. Uh, They end up saving the Morphinaut, but the Morphinaut is overpowered with the Morphin grid. And suddenly their brainy guy says, well, if we take this pure white energy and prismatify it, we can break it down into individual colors. You won't be so overpowered and maybe we can transfer some of the power to us. So these five, actually there's six of them. Okay. These six kids transform each into a different colored ranger. And here's the part where I'm disappointed uh, because they literally transform into the forms of existing rangers, which implies to me some sort of weird circular logic. But their leader is uh, the Mighty Morphin Red Ranger. Uh, And then, of course, we have uh, O-Ranger Blue. We have Time Pink. We have Shurikenger. We have uh, a big, giant uh, yellow uh, guy from Abba Ranger. And then, of course, we have uh, Iron Bison from uh, yeah. the season. But anyway. Which one forms uh, no, the head? When does Jet Jaguar show up? I just, I just like to wait for the inevitable laugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that you'll actually edit in like the, <laughs> the applause for Monty Python every time you say which one forms the head. But anyway, these six kids literally transform into six existing future Power Rangers. And they're like, hey, we've totally saved the day. Oh, no, our parents are trapped in the morphing grid. And also, the evil Dark Specter has escaped. This is fun. Um, this is really so fun. I have a question then. Like mm-hmm. uh, the pink, the time traveling pink ranger. Is that mm-hmm. the same pink ranger that came from the future or whatever in that uh the Morphin Grid series? 
the same costume yeah uh, oh, but it's the, not the same person not like future no it's, uh, it's not uh captain jen scott but okay. it is her costume and that's okay. the thing that um we've actually seen the the boom studios have introduced the emissaries there are emissaries of each of the core uh ranger colors the red yellow blue green black uh pink and so when you see these emissaries, they're actually drawn as constantly morphing and changing through the various uh, uh, rangers that they empower. Mm. So it kind of makes sense. It just bugs me that she's literally wearing that time uh, Power Rangers. Uh, what is it? Time, time Force. Force. Yeah. I don't remember the American names, uh, but Zeo Ranger Blue is in it. It is nice that once again, we do get to see the Mighty Morphin Red Ranger, the Tyranno Ranger armor on a young woman because it looks really awesome. And it's really well colored, by the way. This is a beautiful book. But it's fun to me to see just how much joy they're taking in being able to build up story that you know never actually got onto the show or has never been canonically put in anywhere and it's nice to see all of the uh touches and the the twists and the little oh and this guy right here this is the samurai green ranger you guys but it's also a good story and it's it's you know got some stakes to it and we know that obviously this is eventually going to lead to the creation of the first power rangers which theoretically may have something to do with eventually running into Zordon. I don't know, but I really well, wait, feel wait, like because over in the other, uh, what's the other series that's going on? Because they do have like, Mighty here's how Zordon. Yeah. Here's how Zordon got created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mighty Morphin is doing right now the Eltarian war where uh, we find out Zordon's backstory. And we find out that Zordon used to have a best friend, uh, named Zofram and Zofram uh, had his skin taken off magically and uh, now goes by the name of Zed. Yeah. Zed's yeah. dead, baby. So, Zed's dead. Zed's not dead. Zed's scary. But yeah, that's a uh, that's related to this, but that's later. This is in the past. Oh, okay. And interestingly, the latest Eltarian war, I believe I gave three and a half slices of meatloaf because it's like wow, exciting, weird, cool, awesome stuff. This issue I'm also giving three and a half slices of meatloaf. Really good looking comic, really exciting. As much as I'm bugged by them using the costumes, they use some really good ones. And so I'm not going to complain too hard. Uh, Their choice of Black Ranger is probably the second best Black Ranger uh, in the history of Super Sentai and or Power Rangers. And most of all, this is the story that's finally going to explain to me, you know, in 1997, when I was 26 years old, I was trying to figure out what's the deal with the Phantom Ranger. That little voice in the back of my head has never gone away, you guys. It's always been there. It said, what's gone? You don't know the answer to the Phantom Ranger question. You don't know the answer to the Phantom Ranger question. And it's like when you get an email from Tumblr that says you'll never know love until you read this article. That mm. voice in the back of my head says that I will never be fulfilled until I know the truth of the Phantom Ranger. And that, my friends, is probably why I didn't get into any of the really good schools. But three and a half slices of meatloaf for Power Rangers Universe, number two. All right, let us jump over to the next publisher in our list. I for Image Comics. What you got, Rodrigo? Wasn't the Phantom Ranger Adam West in that? episode of Batman the animated series that was the great <laughs> the gray ghost oh the gray right ghost. or the right. galloping galooper one of the two 
Uh, all right. So uh, this week, I'm looking at Gunslinger Spawn number four. Um, so you might remember that uh, I believe Matthew reviewed uh, King Spawn mm-hmm. uh, recently. So um, the events of all of these Spawn titles are, of course, tied together. Um, and this one brings us uh, a a huge revelation in which uh, uh, Gunslinger Spawn meets the Clown. You guys remember the Clown? Yeah, that's uh, um, John Leguizamo, right? Yeah, yeah, John Leguizamo. And he also meets the Violator. Wait, now the, you the might, Violator is the Clown. You yes, you might ask yourself, or you, or me, or whoever's nearest. If you're on the bus, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't do it. You, don't don't do it. Um, you might ask yourself, isn't the Violator and the Clown the same person? And I would say they used to be, but apparently at some point, spawned through the clown into a time vortex. And when he came back out of it, he was two things. So now uh, the clown is one guy and the violator is a different guy and they just hang out together, which is interesting because I always found that the clown was like really odious and antisocial. So I think it would be funny if they actually hated each other, like... You know, you've, we've, we've seen, obviously we've seen takes on like the Hulk, right? It's like some people is like, oh no, Banner and the Hulk are the same person. It's just different expressions. And we've seen people do like, no, Banner and the Hulk are actually two different entities, right? And they don't like each other or they work together or whatever. You know, it's like lots of different takes there. So it's like, I think it would be funny if they actually hated each other. Uh, yeah, but just because, because of their, because of their time riff uh, thing where they got ripped apart, they have to stay within six feet of each other the entire time. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that that's not the case because they do stay within six feet of each other the whole time. Or it's so, all the client ones thing. Yeah. So you, you, uh, Stephen, that is not a uh, that is not a terrible theory, actually. Um, so in uh, so so here. It's really mostly this issue is the clown explaining what happened. It's like, see, so what happened was I'm not dead like we thought I was. And uh, Gunslinger Spawn is like, no, but how? And the clown's like, it's a superhero comic. Actually, Spellslinger, or, or uh, sorry, Gunslinger Spawn doesn't say no, but how? Because these two, actually, these two characters have actually never met. Uh, so that's kind of like probably the weirdest part about this is that the clown is kind of saying this stuff to us. I mean, he's saying it to Gunslinger Spawn. He's the one who's there. But um, it's it's kind of like a thing where like you might have heard that Spawn killed me. But as it turns out, that wasn't the case. So it it falls a little flat, right? Because, yeah, it's like this character doesn't have a history with the clown. Um, so uh, basically where we end up is the clown is like, well, now I kind of have time powers. So uh, as you also might remember, Gunslinger Spawn's um, main motivation is that he get wants to get back to uh, wherever he comes from, uh, Cowboy Times. So and, you know, he's been trapped in the current like in the modern world and like today for i don't know probably like 20 issues now um and all he wants is to quantum leap back home uh so the clown is like hey i can help you with that 
uh, here's the reason why Spawn can't help you with that, and it boils down to he's stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I will help you with that. So now uh, Gunslinger Spawn has a, a decision to make. Is he going to basically betray um, <laughs> the ostensibly good guys in this world, which, you know, it's it's very morally gray here in Spawnville. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it kind of we'll, we'll see if he if he goes for it or not. Um, all right, I'll give it four slices of meatloaf. The art is really good. It's fun to see the clown again. Uh, the clown travels around with these little clownlets, which are like really creepy. Uh, I wish that they would call them clownlets, but they actually call them dwarves, which I don't know if is like politically correct. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the, the violator's cool. He's got a big weird mouth and some horns. Uh, the art is real good. I think for a long time, Spawn comics really were very like brown and gray. So I'm glad to see them return to, you know, you can have dark stories with like brightly colored characters. And uh, the clown is a great, uh, a great way to show that, right? Because he's creepy AF, um, <laughs> but also um, very brightly colored. Yeah, I saw Brett Booth's name on there. So the art has to be really, really good, though, right? I mean, yeah, it is. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So when uh, regular Spawn and Gunslinger Spawn meet each other, does regular Spawn go nice hat? Because uh, Gunslinger Spawn wears like a twelve foot tall. Yeah, he wears uh, like cowboy huge. hat. He wears like I, an Arby's hat. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I like. I really, I really want to see if I can find an interview with Todd McFarlane about that hat because I wonder. Like, is this hat as tall as it is because of how Todd McFarlane draws? Right? Like, Todd McFarlane has a very exaggerated style. Yeah, he's a Pharrell fan, big time. Yeah, that's probably it. So I'm like, okay, so um, if you guys were reading X-Men in the 90s, like I was, there was, like, some issues by uh, Chris Bacalo or Bacalo, right? who draws in a very exaggerated style, very, very exaggerated style. And there are characters that were introduced during his run. And then when those characters went back to, uh, you know, artists that kept like normal human proportions, um, those characters, some of them looked very weird. Like, it's like, are their noses still supposed to be huge? So I have this idea that actually Gunslinger Spawn has that absolutely ridiculous hat because... (laughs) Todd McFarlane just, you know, he draws like the cape all over the place mm-hmm. and the like the spikes all over the place. And he's like, well, this hat has to compete with that. So here's this giant hat. And if more sort of uh, conservative artists um, should have taken the opportunity to shrink the hat, but instead they were like, well, this is what the model looks like. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make it look like he's trying to, to smuggle a whole, uh, a whole family of chickens in there. A whole beef and cheddar large. Um, yep. Also, I was going to say something. Else. Oh, I call it the Umberto Ramos effect is what you're talking about, Rodrigo. Sure. Because sure. when Umberto Ramos was doing uh, impulse, he drew impulse with the exaggerated hair and the exaggerated feet. Right. And then when regular uh, other artists took it on, they're like, well, I guess impulse now has size 47 feet on a size two body. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is this is really, uh, you know, we hear a lot about sort of like the 90s syndrome with like 
super beefy guys uh, full of pockets and stuff. But there's actually the other thing that happened in the 90s was kind of the opposite. Characters with like giant heads and feet and hands mm-hmm. um, that were always drawn that way. And then when you open when you open up a, a, a thing of like, uh, when, yeah, when you open like an X book after like Joe Madureira has been drawing it and you see characters with regular proportions, you're like, who is this character? Oh, that's <laughs> it's like oh, that's you know the same characters from last one. It's like I don't know, uh, Blackbird or something. I think that's Chamber yeah. or Deathbird. Yeah, yeah, cool. Death All right, thank Lord. you for that, Rodrigo. Finally, uh, final publisher this week, Marvel Comics. I'm taking a look at Amazing Spider-Man number 87. This is a uh, obviously everyone knows Ben Riley is back and he has the official license to be called Spider-Man and has the costume and everything. We also know from a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about, what is it? 85 or 86, maybe 84. um, Peter Parker uh, in the hospital. He's gone through some serious bad stuff and he's still not fully recovered. In fact, he doesn't. uh, There's some questions that both he and other heroes have about why isn't he back to full strength? Yes. He's gone through some horrible things and he's suffered a major, a major damage to his body, but He's Spider-Man. He should have no trouble lifting a car. He should have no trouble punching Captain America in the face uh, at full power and not worry about uh, Captain America getting hurt. In fact, that's kind of the that's kind of what this issue is all about. Black Cat and Captain America, Steve Rogers, uh, need to train Spider-Man up and they need him to be at 100 percent. But throughout the issue, they're just like, you know, at one point uh, they're supposed to be doing some, uh, you know, regular fighting. And Captain America is like, come at me, bro. And Spider-Man's like, okay, huh. And then Captain America's like, well, I understand, son, why you want to pull your punches when fighting normal people. But you forget I'm not a normal person, so hit me with 100%. You feel like you're hitting me with only 75%. And Peter Parker's thinking, I was hitting you with my 100%. You know, and just, you know, what happens when when someone, anyone, it could be you and me, uh, are coming back from a tragic injury, and how long does it take for us to go through that rehab and fully recover? I don't know if that's what Jed McKay is trying to go for in this story arc, specifically with Peter Parker or not. But I find that kind of interesting that everyone knows that he's not at full power, yet they're rooting for him and they're willing to do everything they can to get him at full power, including embarrassing him, I think, to a point in that Black Cat refuses to give Spider-Man his uh, Peter Parker his costume. And so as they're training out in the open, and swinging from building to building, uh, he can't wear a Spider-Man costume. So for those of you who were big fans of Peter Parker with a trash, uh, with a a grocery bag over his face, you get a (laughs) lot of that in this issue. So you are welcome. Thank you, Carlos Gomez doing the art in this, uh, art is fine. Um, one thing that I will point out and this, this happens with various artists and I, and I like it here. Of course, Steve Rogers is portrayed as a big, you know, big brute of a guy with full of muscles and all of that stuff. Uh, Peter Parker, you know, skinny kid, Peter Parker, black cat uh, is a little bit more round than what we might typically see Felicia as in comic book form. Usually we see her as kind of a body double of Mary Jane here. She's a little bit, um, she's a little bit thicker than, than what people may be used to. Not that it's bad or anything like that, but it's like, Oh yeah, you can, you can see that, that they're trying to say everybody is everybody has a different body. And so they're really trying to, I think, stress that with black cat here. It's very, it's a very interesting, uh, 
design choice for this issue, especially because Mary Jane does appear in Black Cat's costume at the end of this issue. You have to go read another book to find out why the Mary Jane Black Cat special out now for Marvel Comics. Um, and it, that is mm-hmm. the very, you know, thin, you know, Mary Jane that, that everyone uh, thinks about. There's also another sub story where uh, Ben Riley, he was getting too close to what the Beyond Corporation was doing. So they wiped his mind and they may have wiped a little bit too much because at one point they're testing him. Okay, we're going to go through your whole rogues gallery of villains. He has no problem naming any of those. And then as they're finally checking him out to let him back on the streets, uh, one of the doctors is like, okay, Ben, remember with great power comes. And Ben's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I thought that was kind of interesting too, because then does that mean that with the mind wipe, we're going to see Ben Riley become more aggressive, more dangerous, more whatever, or does that mean that Ben Riley and Peter Parker are now forever separate from one another completely because Ben does not know what it means to have suffered the tragic loss that Peter Parker went through that made him what he is today. So I, I, I really enjoy the amazing Spider-Man stuff. I just enjoy Spider-Man. I think when it comes to Marvel comics, you know, he's my favorite Marvel uh, character. Um, and so I like what Jed McKay and Carlos Gomez offer up in this issue. I think that, yes, it's a lot of Rocky training montages with Captain America and Peter and, and black cat doing all sorts of shenanigans, including a part where I think it's supposed to be a staged event, but it comes off as black cat and two goons literally robbed a jewelry store so that Captain America and Peter Parker would have to give chase as heroes. But it's one half of it is like, are they just pretending or did they really rob the bank or rob the jewelry store? Which I thought was, was uh, very, very fun. So amazing Spider-Man number 87. It's out this week from Marvel comics, four slices of meatloaf out of five. If you want to get any of these comic books that we talked about in this review, the show notes has a link to our Amazon affiliate link, and it's not going to cost you anything extra to buy this in either a physical form or in the um, Kindle slash comiXology digital format. Just a little bit comes back our way and is just another way that you can help keep the lights on here at Major Spoilers. Uh, Let's see. It's time now to talk about other things. Uh, A trade paperback, for example. Birthright, (laughs) Volume 1 from Joshua Williamson. Art by uh, Andrea, uh, who is it? Andrea, Andre Brisson and uh, Adriano Lucas. Adriano Lucas. Adriano Lucas. I think Um, it's Andre Brisson, but. Okay, Andre Brisson. Okay. Um, have we reviewed like the first issue in this somewhere before, Rodrigo? Uh, if we did, I don't remember. Did okay. we do a dueling review of Birthright number one, maybe? I don't know, but I distinctly remember either Rodrigo talking about this and me going, oh man, what he's talking about seems totally crazy. I'm going to have to open up this book while he's reviewing it. This came all mm-hmm. out in 2015, so that's like seven, eight years ago. I can understand oh. why we may not be super familiar with it, but there's something about this that feels very familiar. Yeah. Um, I'll just say that. So the story of Birthright is the Rhodes family. Ah, your typical nuclear family. Mom, dad, two boys. Uh, it is the youngest boy's uh, birthday and dad and um, what's his name? Michael, uh, I believe Mikey yep. are out playing baseball in the field so they can come home for his birthday. And dad throws the baseball a little bit too far out into the woods and they can't 
find Mikey. And of course, over the next year, everyone thinks the dad killed the son. The marriage falls apart because no one will believe the dad. And then uh, just at the, the year long anniversary, the wife has left him. He's become a drunkard. They suddenly get a call from the police. Something weird development in this case. Please come down here. And they go down there and this. There's this hulking dude sitting behind this table, just decked out in, you know, like a uh, high fantasy uh, barbarian gear. And he's like, I want to see my mom and dad. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? And he's like, I am Michael and I have come from the land of uh, ice and snow, the midnight sun mm. and the harsh winds blow. And the dad and the brother are like, holy crap, what has happened to our son? He's grown up essentially in a year. And we find out that this uh, that the son has indeed been into a fantasy world where he was the chosen one uh, prophesied to bring down the overlord. And once his mission was complete, he can come back to this world. But unfortunately, a couple of the bad guys, we put that in air quotes, uh, have escaped into this world. And Michael can't stay here with his parents and his family until he takes down those bad guys. And so the dad and the brother break him, uh, Michael, out of jail, and they go on a quest to find the bad guys. But there's a little something that you probably aren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what might that be? Uh, so there's this thing that keeps showing up that talks to, to Mikey. And he's like, yeah, you go ahead and continue lying to them about this because you're actually here. Like, you actually didn't defeat the bad guy. You shook hands with the bad guy so he'd bring you back and now i need to make sure that you uh kill all basically all of these like good wizards from the fantasy world um or at the very least not not working for the bad guy wizard so yeah basically the quest is actually a quest for the bad guy uh mikey is in fact um uh, or at least appears to be working for the bad guy, and his story, uh, appear, like the end of a story, appears to be a lie. But um, so, uh, one thing that's interesting is that uh, we are sort of chronologically seeing what happened to Mikey as the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. So, right now, in the back flash or the flashback, he's still a kid. Uh, so he's still a little kid, and he's still learning the what it means to be in a scary fantasy world, right? So we don't know at what point he turns. And I, you know, personally, I got this suspicion. Don't you know? Don't 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 necessarily think that it's right. Maybe it's, I'm just like an optimist. But I think that it's very possible that he's actually like a triple agent, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And he is actually going back, and he does kind of what the villain says, but uh, in the end, he's going to, he's got something figured out to uh, well, he, to kill the villain after all. He does end up killing one of the mages that are protecting the two worlds from uh, colliding with one another. So that's, you know, that, that doesn't feel right. It does feel like he has gone down yeah, this yeah. journey of, I'm the bad guy, and I'm just going to lie to everybody to, to uh, get what I want. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's an interesting twist, but also it's kind of a, it's kind of tropey in that we've seen this before, mm-hmm. but I kind of like it here. I don't know what you guys think about this, Matthew. If you like the, I'm actually evil, even though I'm the missing child that everyone loves. 
I feel like it's a very uh, it's a skybound premise, uh, very much something, (laughs) you know, Robert Kirkman would come up with. Yeah, I also feel like um, the last page of that last issue Uh uh, where we see his uh, young friend as an adult, but she's also very pregnant, makes me wonder if if he doesn't. First of all, if he's not the dad and if he's not trying to do something to protect her and the unborn child, but I don't hate it. I really like the fact that generally speaking, when it comes to like a high fantasy story, I'm kind of a take it or leave it guy. You know, I don't necessarily want to go, Hey, I really want to go and read the new Dungeons and Dragons comic. You know, I want to read a Jim's up story, but I don't necessarily feel like, Hey, this is a thing or, you know, like even a Conan, the barbarian, I'm like, Eh, I'll pick it up. I'll read it, but it's not necessarily something that I'm going to go and seek out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those little twists and those little changes and things that aren't what I expected really do kind of step this away from other stories. You know, uh, the example of uh, Tooth and Claw, which is another book that came out roughly in the same time period, where you feel like you know what's going on. It's like, okay, I've got this whole world figured out, and then. No, you don't. I really appreciate that about this story. And I really like the fact that it kind of has a sense of humor about itself. Yeah. Uh, The the scene where the police are like, these are the weapons that we took off him. And it's it's just this huge, huge table. It's this huge Thanksgiving table covered with blades and (laughs) bludgeons and just amazing stuff. And I'm like, wow, where do you carry all that? Yeah. Rodrigo, do you like the, the double agent stuff or no? I think Rodrigo's muted. Sorry, I was muted. Yep. Um, it's interesting. Um, I I wasn't expecting it. Um, it so this think, like so. Changely- let me ask you this: Do you think that they gave away the fact that he was quote unquote evil too early in the book? Well, that's that's why that's why I think that he's actually maybe a triple agent. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, this does come very early, like the the reveal at the end of this volume should have been actually he's working for the bad guy but mm-hmm. i think it's the reveal at the end of like either the first or second issue it's the first issue um, yeah first issue yeah so um yeah that came very early so it makes me think that there's more to it um mm-hmm. that said it's interesting because it it does it it feels like a reversal except that uh, it might feel like a reversal for modern stories, but the idea of the changeling child is actually very old, right? Um, people that had their kids taken away and then replaced with something. Um, and so, you know, uh, people have said that it's like, well, this, like, this is a, a, an actual. Um, an actual complex or an actual uh like i don't know if disease is the right word but but something that can happen to parents where they don't bond with their child and they think that the child is something some something else mm-hmm. or someone else mm-hmm. right um off sometimes postpartum depression plays a part in it um other uh mental disorders can play a part in it so a lot of kids got uh, like thrown into fireplaces and like dumped in rivers 
because their parents thought they were, you know, gromblins. Um, and, uh, again, so you fast forward to now where, you know, we've gone through this like Disneyfication of fairy tales. So like now it seems hardcore that actually the kid that came back from fairyland is evil. But in a lot of ways, this is actually just going back to like the standard narrative. Yeah. I, um, so I can understand the father and the brother jumping on board with this. Uh, in fact, the, by the end of this issue, it's basically the two brothers out on their own. And it looks like for the next mm-hmm. couple of volumes, it's the brothers out on their own. I was very surprised that the mother's just total. I want nothing to do with any of this. I don't want to believe in any of this, etc. I just found her whole attitude about everything in this book somewhat not believable. I almost expected it to be flipped around the other way where, well, you know, instead yeah, of the dad being the instant believer, it's the mom who's the instant believer. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a trope you got stuck in your craw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like usually there's this idea that like mothers will automatically be able to, ident- like we'll have a feeling and automatically be able to identify their children. Right. And we see this in, again, fictitious stories of, uh, people being given away for adoption, right? And then, like, the day that, like, the mom runs into the child is like, there's something about that child or something, right? It's like, um, that, that moms have this sense. And here they're inverting that. They're like, nope, she doesn't, you know, and like, assuming that Mikey is who he says he is, and we have no reason to suspect that he's not. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, who would believe that? It's the more unbelievable thing is that like the dad is believing it and like the FBI agents believing it. Yeah. Like he's like, "Well, his fingerprints match up." And it's like, you just want to be like, "But how, FBI agent? But how?" <laughs> like um, I don't know. It's like this story very quickly wanders into kind of some uncharted territory, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not like there's a lot of tropes that we're familiar with here, but they're playing it in different ways. So it's hard to tell where it's going. Uh, and that's probably the most uncomfortable thing about it. Um, that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, in fact, did, did it probably anybody, isn't a bad thing. No. In fact, did anybody sit there and go, no family? No, don't do that. I mean, I was kind of felt that oh, way sure. at points in the story. I was like, no, 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 don't no, you're He's doing the bad thing. Don't do this. Um, and I was just like, I kind of got caught up in, in the story. I don't know if yeah. you guys did any of that or not, but I certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is another example of the kind of thing that, you know, you can't necessarily get in every story because it, it wasn't necessarily something where they were trying to surprise us, but they were, I, I feel like the story was working in a way that was trying to get me to get mad and to no. Or to, you know, to try and hope that there's something going on. Rodrigo's theory about the triple agent is beautiful because throughout this whole thing, I'm like, God, I hope this isn't what it seems to be. And I feel like that's really interesting and that's really difficult to build into a story, especially a story that has this many moving parts. I mean, we're going back and forth from, uh, hey, I'm a giant uh, barbarian and also I'm locked up in, you know, police impound. So yeah, I I agree with you on that. I like that. Yeah, I uh so what what's everybody's final I mean this this series goes on for 50 issues. Um it wrapped up in 2021. 
And so there are, I want to say, 10 volumes. I was just on the Amazon page, and I've now flipped mm-hmm. over to the... I'm, I was hoping I could find some answers in the Birthright Wikipedia page, but it is literally the summary of the first volume, and that's it. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> there's something wrong with Mikey. Will the family be able to figure it out on time? But I think there's like uh, 10, 10 books in the series, uh, 10 volumes yeah. in the series, if you want to go pick it up. so I'm definitely seeing volume 10, because when I started looking for volume 1, it's like, did you mean volume 10? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you enjoy this, Matthew? What's your, what's your final I, thought on this? I did. And I feel like part of the reason that I enjoyed it is because it kept, it, it wasn't like actively trying to trick me or actively trying to, you know, undermine things, but it kept going, okay, A, B, and I'm like, and C, and they're like, F. It, you know, it went places that I did not expect. And things that you think you know about these type of stories, things that are built into, you know, Rodrigo mentioned the tropes of the the chosen one story, the little kid who ends up in Narnia or, uh, you know, phlebotomy or wherever people go. Telos. Yeah, all of that cool stuff. You go to Telos or you go to, you know, Pennsylvania, one of those made up places. And this book kept subverting that in really cool ways. Now, would I read another nine volumes? It's going to depend on what those nine volumes do, but I'd definitely be up for another, you know, book of this stuff based on what we've got here. This is, this is pretty good. Yeah. I was, I was very interested because I was thinking, you know, since we, we were talking about, did they blow, did they blow it a little bit too early by showing that he was bad in the first issue? And Mm -hmm. I started thinking, what if they did wait until the very last issue of this volume to reveal it? And I don't think I would have been as caught up in the story mm-hmm. as much because, you know, part of the thrill or fun of reading this uh, page after page is like, no, parents, don't do this. No, brother, don't do this. Your guys are making the big mistake. Stop, stop, stop that you want to scream at the page uh, because when you're doing the flashback stuff, you are seeing, hey, here's the birth of the new hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and had they waited to the end of it, I would have probably come across maybe feeling a little bit cheated i think yeah if they had it, it waited could definitely to that final be page. one of those things where oh wait i've been rooting for him all along and it turns out he's a jerk yeah 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 so uh, i i enjoyed this story uh, again i don't know if i i mean probably at some point i think uh, we have them all over the years sent to us from image comics so i'm sure i have these in our in our review archive um I wouldn't mind reading more of this, but I need to see some kind of a, a better resolution of, oh my gosh, am I just going to be rooting for the family to figure out that their kid is a piece of crap um, or not? Uh, because, you know, that's kind of a thing. At some point you have to do that reveal. And uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this first volume. I would, I'm very interested to read more volumes, but if we're up to volume eight, and the family hasn't realized that that Mikey is bad, then I will feel a little bit less excited about this series. Mm. But for now, I, I really enjoyed volume one. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely like to to see more of this. Um, uh, art is fantastic. And yeah, I think this book does a good job of kind of setting up and immediately like demolishing its own premises. So it keeps you guessing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You are, I I think, you know, most of us were already like, okay, by the end of this volume, 
uh, you know, is like Mikey's going around killing people and his friends and his family is helping him. And then they're going to find out that he's bad somehow. And that's what the book is going to be about. And then someone else comes, someone else comes out of the portal. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, already kind of throwing that into question. So yeah, it does a good job of kind of keeping you, uh, keeping you on your toes. I, I haven't seen a lot of buzz about this. I know. Right. Uh, about and and maybe book. it's because it took, well, it came out at first in, in 2014, this, this collected edition mm-hmm. came out in 2015. But it ran until 2021, so that's seven years for 50 issues. I mean, it must have done well enough. Issues. If yeah, I know. mean, Image Comics is you know you're kind of publishing it on your own; they're making sure. a profit off of it. But um, how many how many issues? That's not 12 issues a year, is it? Uh, 12 issues a year over how many years? Seven or eight years. Uh, 12 years, uh, be 62 over seven years. Yeah. So this didn't come out on a regular basis. Of course we went through pandemic, so there could have been some delays in, in that as well. But yeah, I just, I don't remember seeing this getting a whole lot of buzz, but it's the art. Like you said, Rodrigo is very, very pretty. I like the art a lot. Yeah. Um, Anytime we're in the fantasy world, it's like, yeah, yeah. And the colors are just wonderful. So yeah, pick it up, pick it up from that way. All right. Uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Everyone. Thank you for listening. Currently, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. That's right. So if you're listening right now, you could be a patron. And we want to thank you to those of you who are backing our show. And if you want to join that group to help support Major Spoilers and all of what we do, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Major Spoilers. Sign up for a silver level membership. You can also support us by using the affiliate links. Uh, You can find it at uh, Majorspoilers.com. We will be back next week to do more fantasy. Dungeons and Dragons fantasy. Oh. Um, But for some reason, I have a a hankering to watch some Fringe on the HBO Max. But until next time, we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, whoa, whoa
t-shirt spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.